Hello, besties, and welcome back to our fourth episode of the Your Two Best Friends podcast with your co-hosts, Annalise LaCasse and myself, Danielle Hanlon. We have a really special episode for you all today talking about engaging mental health conversations and Christianity. Our very own co-host, Annalise LaCasse, has getting her master's in counseling, and so she brings a lot of expertise and years of experience, especially doing counseling work into our podcast. So we're really lucky to have her and get to talk about a lot of things that I've wondered myself and I'm sure plenty of other Christians have wondered as you're walking through your faith. So we're going to have Annalise share a little bit about herself so that you can get to know her a little bit. And then we're going to talk about all things mental health and Christianity. This is going to be part one in the series that we're going to sporadically do through the life of this podcast, where you can really talk to Annalise about all things trauma, mental health, and things that she might have expertise in that maybe you don't have access to at home. So feel free to send in questions, DMs, comments of things that you would like Annalise to cover. And we're going to bring these episodes sporadically throughout our seasons in the course of this podcast. So Annalise, if you want to take it away and talk a little bit more about yourself, maybe your passions, your interests, how you got into this field, and give the listeners just a little more background about you. So I guess to start off, um, I live in Michigan. I live here with my husband, Alec, who I love so much. And he is an incredible, he's a sculptor, he's an instructor. And so yeah, we we have a little home together. And we've been married for a year and a half. So that's been fun and a very good time. Um, And yeah, so I guess getting into a little bit more about my my passions and ultimately what led me to where I am now. It really started off when I was a little girl and I had a very big interest in cross-cultural ministry. I really felt um, like drawn to the people of China and really wanted to to work there. And as a result, after um, I was a bit older, I did YWAM and went to China um, with the that organization. And through that experience, I really was uh, introduced to the injustice of sex trafficking while I was there. It was the first time that I saw um, individuals who were being prostituted. And um, it really placed a burden on me like for those people. And so from there, I went to North Central University. That's where I met Danielle. And as she shared last week, we both were in the intercultural studies program. And while I was there, I really learned a lot about um, like cross-cultural ministry, about community development. And then I also tried to seek out every opportunity I could to to learn more ultimately about this injustice of trafficking. And I know Danielle and I actually took a class on that about um, modern day slavery, what that looks like. And that class was very impactful on me. And again, my senior project focused on counseling individuals who are trafficked. And and through that, through learning about these things, and um, I have both like interned with an organization that trains communities on sexual trauma, and then working as a resident advocate in a home for women who are sexually exploited, I really began to see that there is such a need for um, 
Christian trauma-informed counselors. And so if there's a need, right, if the Lord is showing this need, then often, not often, I yeah, I think often he like wants us to be a part of the answer for that need. And so this really was a burden and a need I saw. And so I felt that I had the skills and the time to go back to school and get my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And so while I have been in there, this is my third and final year. I'm going to be done in just a couple months. Very excited. Um, I have both uh, been trained so that I can, I, I'm more equipped to work with those women who have been sexually exploited, but really it's opened up a new world to me. Like this, this mental health world has been opened up to me. And I have seen that there's so many other areas where people are struggling yes, with trauma, but also with like different mental illnesses and, and how that affects an individual. And so ultimately going back to school has just like opened up more things that I'm passionate about. And so it's really cool that we have this, this podcast and really I can use this space then to share some of those things that I have learned because a lot of people are struggling with their mental health. And so that is a little bit about me, my journey to what brought me to where I am now. Thank you so much for sharing that, Annalise. You guys can probably tell why Annalise and I are very close friends. We are both very passionate people, and especially about this area of women who are being prostituted and trafficked. We both have worked in that field, and it's actually one of the reasons that we decided last year to give up shopping for a year. We were both very convicted of the way that modern slavery is used to produce most of the garments that we wear. And so Annalise and I, we really just, this is something we're very passionate about. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit further about on the podcast, if you guys would be interested in hearing about that. So Annalise, let's open this conversation up today and really get into the meat of what this podcast is going to be about. And I wanted to have you talk about the differences between a therapist or a mental health professional and a pastor or a mentor. What are the differences and like the different circumstances in which you'd seek out these professionals? Is it for the same thing? Is it for different things? What, what would that look like? Yeah. So counselors and pastors, both very honorable, good occupations, right? but also both trained in very different things, right? So I have had the privilege of being raised by a pastor and two of my brothers-in-law are pastors. And so um, I have learned a lot through them and have seen even a bit about how um, how they were trained, right? Within our school, seeing how the pastors were trained. And Ultimately, they learn how to interpret scripture. They learn how to lead a congregation, disciple believers, right? The list goes on. They do a lot of things. Um, however, they are often not clinically trained to counsel people who are struggling with mental illness. And so what does this mean? There's kind of this hierarchy of mental health care, right? And so at the base of this hierarchy are pastors, right? And lay counselors, people who might not have a degree in counseling, but have been gone through some training. 
And so this type of counseling can be beneficial for someone who maybe is experiencing like they're going through a transition or they're dealing with relational conflict or, or a spiritual issue, right? These would be great things to take to someone who is a pastor or a lay counselor. And then moving up a bit would be a clinically trained counselor. And so someone who is struggling with mental illness, specifically mental illness that is affecting their daily living, this would be then um, a good fit for them to see a clinical counselor. They totally still can meet with their pastor, meet with a lay counselor, but you're probably going to bring up more so topics of the things that I just explained. Um, and then if you move up a little bit more, this would be maybe someone who is um, is is emotionally distressed and struggling with their mental illness to a degree that maybe they're going to hurt themselves or hurt another individual, right? They then should probably be in healthcare, um, like inpatient hospitalization and there maybe they would be seeing a psychiatrist or um, something of the likes. And so, yeah, that is a little bit of information on like, if you're struggling with these different things, like who you should be seeing. Sometimes it is confusing to decide what circumstance or situation you bring to um, each person, but you can bring certain things to pastors and they may direct you to a clinically trained counselor or vice versa. A clinically trained counselor might direct you to a pastor. And so that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We all get to use these tools that God has in his toolbox of all his people that are trained in different ways. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I think it's great that one person just doesn't do everything because mm -hmm. all the body parts do different things than the body. Yeah. So Annalise, this is kind of a, a common question that I hear or something that people think about. Is it a sin to struggle with anxiety or depression or maybe something like an eating disorder? We're being really broad now with some of the things people struggle with. How does God view these things? Okay, so mental illness can be a result of a sinful lifestyle, right? But this is only sometimes. And so there are consequences for our actions, right? And so I actually noted some um, specific circumstances, right? So extreme jealousy could lead to anger or maybe even like de demonic oppression. We can see this in 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 10. Uh, excessive worry can lead to anxiety. We can see this in um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Excessive work can have repercussions. This is seen in Psalm 127.2. Negative thoughts can be harmful. Philippians 4, 8. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. And then we're also told to guard against bitterness, Hebrew 12, 15, and unforgiveness, Matthew 18, 32 through 35. And so if someone is living a sinful lifestyle, it could result in them having um, poor self-esteem, right? And it could result in them having uh, a, a low view of other people and all of these things affect then our mental health. And so there can be consequences, but 
that is not the case for everyone. So mental illness is also a result that of living in a fallen and broken world. Um, and because of that, people are born with genetic defects and people are born with uh, different abnormalities and uh, disease and even uh, individuals are abused and mistreated, which can also cause mental illness. And that is not due to their sin, um, but rather like the sin of the world and, and, and the fall of man. That's really good. Yeah. Sometimes we think it's all one or the other, but it really is because of sin, but maybe not your own sin that you are struggling with mental illnesses. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean like God's mad at you or that he like cursed you with some mental illness because you're being bad. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's our actions have repercussions and God is still really merciful in Mm -hmm. dealing with that. So can you be spiritually mature and still struggle with mental health? How do you reconcile the two? you definitely can be spiritually mature and still struggle with mental illness. And so I think, right, going back to the previous question, that sometimes people struggle with mental illness and it has nothing to do with sin in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it you can be spiritually mature and struggle with a physical illness, right? And so um, it is not... It's not different that 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 you struggling with a mental illness takes away necessarily from uh, like our spiritual health. So we can even see in the Bible examples like David, who it, it says that he was a man after God's own heart, right? And and he still struggled a lot. Like uh, so many of the Psalms are him lamenting and, and dealing with such sadness. And so he was feeling these, these deep emotions. Um, and, and maybe he did have depression, right? There were definitely characters within the Bible who ha- are struggling with mental illness or symptoms of mental illness. And yet they are still viewed as like spiritually mature and men after God's own heart. And I'll, I can include it in the notes, but there is a book called Grace for the Afflicted, and it goes through different uh, biblical characters and different mental illness symptoms that they had and um, just how we as believers can treat other people who are struggling with those or even how we can treat ourselves if we are struggling with those different things. And then I will say this. so. Yes, you can definitely be spiritually mature and struggle with mental illness. Um, But I think that it's important that if you do fall under that category, that you are still working towards mental health, right? You want to be, we're holistic beings. And so the things that are happening in our mind uh, affect the things that are happening in our soul, right? It affects the things that are happening to us uh, physically and spiritually, all these things. And so if you're struggling with depression or with anxiety, it may make it difficult to fully trust the Lord um, because there is maybe worry of the future. And so I would encourage you reach out to a counselor or or look up resources because you do want to be mentally healthy because that will help you 
spiritually as well. A lot of the practices also um, I have found when it comes to being mentally healthy, we can find traces of it in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so the word talks about meditating like on what is good and what is true, right? And, and it talks about renewing of the mind. And so then in, in therapy, we talk about positive affirmations, right? And practicing gratitude. And that has an effect on our brains. And, and so it's connected in so many ways, right? And so, yeah, I would encourage you. I think it will make you even more spiritually mature and, and grow your relationship with the Lord. If you do work to um, become more healthy mentally. Does admitting that you may have a mental illness give credence to it? Do you identify if you, with your mental illness issues or mental health issues, if you have them or if you've gotten a diagnosis? How do you relate to those? So I definitely think it's um, okay to admit that you have a mental illness, right? I think that there is... Um, power and knowledge. And so if you have not maybe um, been diagnosed with a mental illness or have not realized this, then it might be hard for you to move beyond it. Um, it might be difficult for you to lessen those symptoms. And so admitting that you have it, naming what it is, I think can help you in the process of, of educating yourself on it and educating yourself on how to become more healthy mentally. Um, but there is, when I say that though, I'm not saying to necessarily identify with that mental illness, right? And so even to say like, I have depressive symptoms is so different than saying, I'm depressed, right? And so when we place it as our identity, um, we begin to, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like I am depressed. If I speak that over myself, I often begin to feel that uh, to an even greater extent than maybe I would um, previously. And so even in counseling, if someone will say, uh, like I'm anxious, we'll say like, okay, so you are feeling anxiety, right? And even just putting that term of I'm feeling anxious versus I am anxious, mm -hmm. it helps us to separate from us. And then it becomes something that we can deal with. Because when I say I am anxious, I'm speaking it over myself and it feels like it's a part of me. And how do you separate yourself from something that's a part of you? But if you say, I feel anxious, then it becomes manageable and um, and it's something that we can work to find healing from. That's really good. It, it made me think, you know, we don't do that with other things. Like you maybe are acting out, like say you are doing bad things, but you wouldn't say I am bad. I am right. doing some, and I guess that's a really silly example, but it makes a lot of sense that we don't want to identify with those, with those things, you know, yeah. even with a, a physical ailment or like a disease or something, we're like, I am, you know, battling this. I'm combating this. I, mm -hmm. I am not this. I am not, right. you know, this thing that I'm working against. And there's so much power 
in our words. I've looked up research. I don't have it up right now, but they have done research that even speaking, this is so wild, to plants, speaking positive things to plants will help them grow. And then if you speak hate to plants, they'll die. That is mind blowing. Okay. And so if plants react that way, what do you think our minds are doing? Right. If we speak positive things over them, we'll grow, right? We're going to continue to grow. But if we are speaking death over ourselves, right? The Lord or the word talks about this, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. If we're speaking death over ourselves, um, our symptoms are probably not going to be getting better. That's really good. It's also really good that it's like, you don't have to live in delusion and be like, no, I'm not struggling with anything. You know, I'm not experiencing any anxiety. I'm not experiencing any depression, but like you're saying, we don't have to identify with it. We are not just being ignorant that it's there and we're not going to deal with it. And it's harming us all the time. And we're really struggling, but you don't have to identify with it, which is a really it's a really beautiful thing because we yeah. do have freedom in Christ and healing, whether that's on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity. So mm-hmm. promise to us as believers, but we will definitely have struggles because like you said, of that sin. What are some common misconceptions that we might have in the Christian community about mental health or mental illness and how they intersect with our relationship with God? Well, I think one misconception that I I hear a lot is, um, or a question that I hear a lot is like, it, why if I'm praying um, for my mental illness to be healed, am I not instantly healed, right? Mm-hmm. And so within the Bible, a miracle is when God heals instantly, right? It's an, it's an instantaneous work of God. And then healing, on the other hand, it implies a process. And Mm. so we see this in physical healing as well. Um, If someone receives a miracle, they might immediately, their knee that was broken or like leg that was broken is is back in place, right? Um, But healing, it might take time. It might take going to the doctors for that leg to be healed. Um, But still, it is healed. And so mental health can be similar. Some people pray and they receive a miracle of, I was struggling with this mental illness and now it's completely gone. I no longer struggle with this. Um, But often it it can take the process of healing uh, for someone to no longer struggle with mental health uh, or mental illness symptoms. And so the process might include a counselor, right? Like how we go to the doctor for a physical illness, it might include going to a counselor for this mental illness, and then together, um, working towards these goals to to see these symptoms decrease. And that might be the process of healing that this individual um, receives. And so continue to pray for sure. Continue to pray because I totally believe even in the counseling process, that's going to help the process and help, um, help you come to that healing, but it might take longer than you expected. And also I would encourage someone, maybe you have been praying this. Don't be discouraged because you haven't seen, um, your healing yet, but 
just trust in the Lord and and believe that that he can work work this out for your good, right? That he can work these things in your life. And um, as a result, that you would be more resilient, right? A lot of people who struggle hardship at the end, like as they overcome this hardship, they become more resilient. And so that's my, I guess, my prayer and my belief for those maybe that are listening to this and who are struggling with mental illness totally believing for healing. And then at the other end of this, that they would be more resilient. Hmm. That's really good. Um, it reminded me of something that my pastor was, was preaching on actually a couple weeks ago in talking about how much our generation and even just the human condition, we like really focus on ourselves. Hmm. And that also can produce a lot of uh, mental illness symptoms, anxiety hmm. and depression when we just focus inward so much. And I think the statistics are between 90 and 95% of the time we spend thinking, we spend thinking about ourselves. Wow. That is a crazy amount of time spent focusing on me. And we're not out doing things. We're on our phones a lot more in social media. And all this has just led to us just thinking about ourselves all mm. the time so much more. And people who do that tend to struggle more with mental illness than who don't not saying that you'd be totally absolved of that but it reminded me of the verse of you know taking captive thoughts that are not of the lord and, and bringing them under submission to jesus i know i've heard you talk about that so many times like taking thoughts captive and yeah. you can submit those things to jesus and speak the truth over your life those daily affirmations you were talking about and not that it's going to always cure that mental illness, but it can be a step in your healing of being like, I don't identify with this and I'm submitting this to Christ. I'm submitting my mental illness. So that's just kind of one thing it made me think of. But another yeah. question I wanted to ask you is how can Christians and a Christian community gather around people and support people that are struggling with mental illness? They're going to be in our community. Maybe it's ourselves. How do we support people and, you know, be Christ-like and loving to people that are struggling with that in the church and outside the church? I think um, education is really powerful, right? And so one big hindrance to people um, seeking treatment is stigma, stigma mm -hmm. surrounding mental illness. And so if someone feels embarrassed by your diagnosis or they feel embarrassed by the symptoms that they have, it's going to um, lessen the chances that they will seek out treatment. And so if we are maybe stigmatizing certain mental illnesses or uh, symptoms of mental illness, then we are we're uh, adding to the problem. And so one way to really like eradicate stigma is education. And so through educating yourself on mental illness and, and why certain people struggle with certain mental illnesses, it really can help us to view people, these individuals who are struggling in a better light, but also it can help us. Maybe we get in conversation with someone who is sharing with you that they are struggling with 
depression or they are struggling with anxiety. And it will give you tools uh, to speak to them because sometimes we feel a bit like out of our depths when people are speaking to us about certain things that they're struggling with. And so if you educate yourself on the topic, you'll be better equipped to to speak to them and, and maybe even like to pray over them or um, to offer encouragement to them as they are struggling with their mental illness. Thanks for sharing that. I think we're all not going to be counselors, you know, we're all not going to have mm-hmm. the education, but we can always pray and we can always be a support and we can check in on our friends and loved ones that might be experiencing this knowing, like you said, it's not a sin. It's not right. God punishing anyone. It's not a lack of maturity that people struggle with this for. It is because we live in a broken and fallen world and our minds are not immune to that at all. And we are in a generation bombarded with technology, which doesn't help. And, um, you know, a lot of people working remotely, so we're not getting human interaction and focusing, we're in like a perfect storm. So it's no wonder mental illness is rising. We just talked about two episodes ago, consumption and materialism leading to a rise of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. We're really in a generation that's a perfect storm. And so you are never not going to encounter someone if you're in some type of community that doesn't struggle with this. So you listening to this episode is a first step in that, but um, yeah, like Annalie said, we would encourage you to get educated. You are not going to be someone's counselor. You're probably not, if you're educated, going to be able to be someone's counselor. So you don't want to put yourself in a position that you're not equipped for, but you want to be able to be their community and their support. Mm-hmm. And so Annalise, to wrap this up, what are some practical things, you know, if you're struggling with mental health that you yeah. can do maybe every day to align your life and your heart and your mind more with the Lord, you know, not going to be, of course, go talk to a mental health professional, you know, sometimes it means being on medication and and all different things, Mm -hmm. but what are some everyday practical things people can do that can help with their struggle in, in mental health? So some easy practices, and I kind of referenced them previously, but practicing gratitude and affirmation can really be helpful for, um, one's outlook on life. And so gratitude, it looks like thanking the Lord for the things that he has provided for you. Um, and so listing out three things a day and often try and make them different things each day of like, God, I'm really grateful that you blessed me with my husband. And I'm really grateful that you've blessed me with a close community. And I'm grateful that you've provided me a job, right? So you say these things and then move on to affirmation, right? A lot of people struggle with low self-esteem. And so speaking over yourself, like, yeah, I really affirm in myself that I'm very good with people. And I affirm in myself that, um, I am creative and I affirm in myself that I am good at writing, saying these things, speaking it over ourselves. Maybe at first it feels foreign and uncomfortable, but eventually you start to believe the things that you're speaking over yourself, right? We believe often um, the things that we think a lot. And so if the thoughts in our mind are negative, we're going to begin to believe them. And so if we're constantly thinking negative things, we're going to have a negative outlook on life. And so by practicing gratitude and by practicing affirmation, we're changing the thoughts in our mind 
which then changes our beliefs and then changes the way that we act. And so with this new mindset, then we are acting out of a place of gratitude and we're able to thank people when we see them at the store. And because we are affirmed in our identity, then we're able to affirm other people's identity, right? And so it starts maybe like to your point, like focusing inward, but eventually it pushes us focusing more outward Mm -hmm. of like, okay, I feel like I'm in a healthy place. Like I can help other people. I can call things out in them. And so I would start with that. And I think as these um, podcast episodes continue, like talking about mental health, I'll definitely continue to share even more just like strategies and um, maybe even specific to certain mental illnesses, like what you should try if you are struggling with those certain things. I even think if, if you can't think of those things to say about yourself, the Bible has plenty. So yeah. you can go in there and see what God says about you, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You know, that he has a plan and purpose for your life, that he loves you. He's made promises to you. And so um, if you can't change it with things you could think of on your own, God has plenty of wonderful things to say about you. And he had you in mind when he was saying that. He had every single person in mind because he believes the same thing about everyone. Um, He loves us all and he's created us all for a plan and a purpose. And so if no one's told you that recently, we want to speak that over your life. And we hope that, you know, eventually over time, you can start to believe that because it's the enemy that really tries to get in there and tell you lies. And the enemy can latch on to a mental illness. The enemy can latch on to these negative thoughts. You know, it, you might have a mental illness because of someone else's sin, but the enemy can use that to really like twist and warp the way you feel about yourself and other people and about God. And so being on guard in that way and, and using the word to practically help with, with your mental illness, taking your thoughts captive, speaking over life and truth over your life and over your mind. I think are practical ways and small things you can do every day that can have a really big impact over the course of your life. So thanks for sharing those, Annalise. Annalise is going to be in the future talking about more specific things. So like we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, this is kind of an overview. These are maybe some common misconceptions or things people wonder in general about mental illness. Like, is it a sin? Can you be mature and have a mental illness? Common misconceptions. These are some things we wanted to cover to really get our feet wet talking about this topic, but we want to hear from you. Are there questions that you don't have, you know, a counselor to ask? Are there things you want Annalise to cover that you're feeling insecure about, or you really don't know a way to start tackling? And so it's one of the beauties of, we get to have each other on this podcast. We get to use Annalise's gifts and strengths and education and wisdom that the Lord has equipped her with. And we get to share that with you guys. And so we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you've really been able to take some encouragement out of it, whether it's for your own struggle or how to engage as a Christian in maybe the struggles of others and be there with them. So we're really thankful that you tuned in to our fourth episode of the Your Two Best Friends podcast. And we got to know Annalise a little bit better in this process as well. So we are excited to see you next Monday at 8 a.m. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Bye, besties. Mm -hmm.